Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. A few things to share with you before we begin our worship. First, as a reminder to check your mailboxes. Uh, You'll find February newsletters there. Uh, You'll also find a letter in your mailbox that comes from our task force to consider our denominational affiliation and some of the questions that have arisen uh, around that process. Um, So when you get a chance this week, please read the information in that letter. There will be an informational meeting following worship next Sunday, February 4th. Uh, So members especially plan to stay after worship next Sunday uh, to discuss uh, the contents of that letter, but also to have time if you have any questions um, about process, any questions about issues that are raised up in the letter or otherwise you will have the opportunity to ask and discuss. So please plan to be here next Sunday and to stay after worship. Uh, You'll also notice in the bulletin, uh, we will need a treasurer this year. And so that position is open. It's about an eight to 10 hour a month commitment. In the newsletter, you might see a misprint that says eight to 10 hours a week. It's not quite that involved. eight to 10 hours, roughly a month. If something you're interested in and you have the skills, you feel like you may be able to do it, uh, Amanda will help you. She'll train you, get you transitioned into that role. So if it's something you might be interested in, please speak to Walter, speak to me, um, and we will go from there. Uh, in today's worship service, we will install our council for 2024. So. Uh, Following the creed, I'm going to ask church council members to come forward uh, so we can do our installation. Are there any prayer requests or any other announcements that you have for the congregation this morning? Yeah. My brother-in-law, I know that prayed, he got him over bladder cancer, then he fell and broke four ribs, he got healed, so he had another surgery. Now he's in... Florida in the hospital with pneumonia. <coughs> we need prayer again. Uh, he did take a turn for the better yesterday. Okay. He had pneumonia. And another friend in Florida has it too, girlfriend. Uh, so it's run out there. Yeah. Okay. Friend. yeah. John. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, today's Leah's birthday, and last Sunday she broke her leg. Sledding. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we're praying for Leah that everything heals well. Yeah. All right, if there are no other announcements or requests, I'll invite you to take a moment and prepare for worship as we listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are happy to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. You know that we cannot withstand the dangers that surround us. Strengthen us in body and spirit, so that with your help we may be able to overcome the weakness that our sin has brought upon us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. A reading from Deuteronomy. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, they are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. The word of the Lord. Be to we'll read responsibly Psalm 111. Hallelujah! 
I give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Majesty and splendor mark your deeds, and your righteousness endures forever. Who cause your wonders to be remembered, you are gracious and full of compassion. You give food to those who fear you, remembering forever your covenant. You have shown your people the power of your works, and gave them the lands of the nations. The works of your hands are faithfulness and justice. All are your precepts are sure. You sent redemption to your people and commanded your covenant forever. Holy and awesome is your name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice this have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in earth and or on heaven, earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers from whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is the cause of, your, of their falling, I will not eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. 
they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching, with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in the ancient Mediterranean world, there was nothing of higher value than having knowledge. The most advanced people in any religion were the people who had advanced past basic common knowledge. So if you were among the religious elites, you had esoteric knowledge. You had the knowledge that only a select few had. And so perhaps in this world, you knew of some special gods that no one else knew of. You knew of some ancient tradition. You knew of some ritual that was recently brought from Egypt. Perhaps you claimed that some spirit revealed to you something about the future that no one else knew. You knew things about the universe, about spirituality, about oracles, and about God that the general public did not know. And so having access to this secret knowledge made you more attuned to the realities of the universe. But in 1 first, in Corinthians chapter 8, St. Paul is going to flip this on its head. He's going to show us that the key thing is really not what we know about God. Instead, the key thing is that we are known by God. And this is what separates true Christianity from every other religion in the world. In every other religion, salvation is all about getting to know God better. It is about the pursuit of knowledge about God. It is about pursuing a knowledge about how to live a good and virtuous life. It is the pursuit of knowing what to do to make God happy with you. It's the pursuit of a state of nirvana, a state of bliss. Every other religion in the world is about climbing some ladder to a better life. It's about climbing some ladder to a better future. But the Christian gospel says something else. It says that the most important thing is God's pursuit of us. What matters is that we are known by God. We are known by God because he is our father. He loves us. He's redeemed us from sin, from death and the devil. He has promised always to know us. And he knows us not in a general way, but in a very specific way as our loving father. And this is the freedom of the gospel. You don't actually have to prove to God how much you know. You don't have to prove to the world how great you are. God already knows you. God has already made a decision about you. Your ignorance, your vice, your sin doesn't mess that up. God knows you. 
and he knows already what is in your heart. And this means you are entirely free, free from whatever judgments you make about yourself or free from the judgments the world makes about you. And so there were some in the Corinthian church in Paul's day who apparently were making their knowledge about religious truth the very central part of their faith. There was a controversy about whether or not Christians can eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And that was a sticky question in that congregation. Because in cities in those days, you didn't just go to Walmart, you didn't go to Aldi or wherever to go buy your meat. And so the source of meat for the public came from pagan priests who sold the leftovers from sacrifices to support themselves. And among the upper class, it was common to have meals at pagan temples themselves because that's where the meat was guaranteed to be the freshest and the top quality. And so these weren't precisely religious events when they were eating at a temple. They were cultural events. But they were still eating with pagans. And they were eating meat that had come from pagan sacrifices. And of course, Christians were a very, very small minority of people in that day. And eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols was simply how the public got much of their protein. And so there were two trains of thought in Corinth. The first was from people who really boasted about their knowledge. They said, we know that these idols are not real. These idols are just wood and metal carved into shapes. The pagan sacrifices don't actually do anything. There are no gods. There's only one God. Therefore, we can eat the meat that's been sacrificed to them because none of these sacrifices are real anyway. And of course, they were right as far as that goes. The idols were not real. There was nothing special about the meat that was being sold. The sacrifices don't accomplish anything. But the other group was made up of new Christians who were uneasy about eating the meat that had been sacrificed to idols. These are people who themselves were former pagans. At one time, they had offered sacrifices to idols. They had participated in the temple cult. Therefore, eating meat held for them a deep association of their lives before Christ knew them. And so they felt like they may be compromising their faith by participating in these kinds of former practices. So the conflict then that Paul identifies is that the former group that boasted of its knowledge about knowing that idols are not real saw themselves as superior than the other group who did not want to eat meat. And he says in this context, knowledge puffs up. In other words, the group that was eating meat was using their comfort with eating meat as a kind of marker for how strong their faith was. They knew that idols were nothing, and so they boasted about how spiritual they must be for having that knowledge. Right? They were like the super-Christians. They must have had stronger faith than the group that didn't eat meat. They could go into a temple and remain faithful. They were super so Paul has to get to the heart of the conflict. And he confirms for them that indeed, Christ sets us free to eat meat, to not eat meat. He says, neither one is of importance in your relationship with God. What is important, the foundation, 
is that God has known you first. God has chosen you and called you. You are free. But now, in that freedom, Christ has set us up for something greater. And so eating meat or not eating meat is not the central question in this chapter. Instead, what is central is loving our neighbor. The freedom Christ gives means that we don't have to put ourselves first, but rather we can put our neighbor first. We don't have to show the world how much we know. We don't have to show others how holy we are, how faithful we are. Instead, we can consider the needs of one another first. And we have that freedom because God has known us first. We don't have to impress anyone. And more than that, Paul says we are free to see one another not through the prism of choices like eating meat or not eating meat, but through the truth that Christ has died for our brother or sister in Christ. As Christians, that's the high value we place on one another. Our brother or sister in Christ does not exist to be a point of comparison. Right? I know more than he does. I pray better than he does. I attend church more than he does, and so on. But they exist as ones that God has known and God has saved. And so we are free to act in consideration of our brother and sister first. We don't have to act to impress God, to impress the world. We're free to act in order to build up and encourage one another. Famously, Martin Luther puts it like this. A Christian is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. A Christian is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. And so on one hand, God knows us. God has saved us, and we don't do anything to deserve our salvation. We don't add to it in any way. But because we are justified by Christ alone, and not by anything we do, we are freed to serve and love one another out of genuine love. We don't have to serve out of obligation. We don't have to serve to try to make God happy. We serve because we get to build one another up in the same kind of joy we have in the gospel freedom. And so for the Corinthians, it really looks simple. If eating meat was going to destroy the faith of a brother or sister, then I would refrain from eating meat, St. Paul says. It's not going to change my status as a child of God one way or another. And so instead, I will build them up and celebrate the joys of their new life in Christ with them. And so we do want to be careful in how we hear this as well, because sometimes in our culture, offending someone is the greatest sin. But that's not what Paul is getting at here. Paul's not talking about offending someone by asserting the truth. It's not that one group of Corinthians was wrong in eating meat. It was not wrong for them to assert their freedom to eat meat. What was wrong was to assert their freedom in a way that would destroy the faith of their brothers or sisters in Christ. Paul's reminding us that Christ has set us free to consider the needs of one another. Paul is saying you are free to sit down with someone, to get to know them, to understand them, and then to act in such a way as to build them up and not tear them down. And so if you hear that your brother in Christ is a recent convert who won't eat meat, then you listen to him charitably and with love. You hear his struggle, you hear where maybe his conscience is weaker than yours, 
and you lovingly discern how you can best support him in the faith. And so the struggles of others do not become the means to prove to ourselves how superior we are. Right? I'm so much more pious than the other person because I can or can't do this one particular thing. Nor do they give us an avenue to stand before God and say, look at how much better I am than so-and-so. I participate in so much more in church than they do. I'm so much more here on Sunday mornings than they are. Look how much more faithful I am, God. And that's not what the freedom of the gospel allows us to do. The freedom of the gospel calls us to something greater. It calls us to the truth that God gives us our neighbors so that we can love them. And the gospel means we love not out of obligation, but out of the sure confidence of being known by God. And that's where freedom comes from, because when you are known by God, everything else fits into that alignment. You have that confidence that God knows you, God loves you, God forgives you. And that's the good news of the gospel. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This time I invite you to be seated. Uh, all members of council, I'll invite you forward. The following people have been elected to positions of leadership. We give thanks for their willingness to serve. In baptism, we are welcomed into the body of Christ and sent to share in the mission of God. We rejoice now that these sisters and brothers will lead us in our common life and our mutual mission as a congregation. So our 2024 Church Council, the President, Walter Paxson, Vice President Kevin Coates, Secretary, Mary Morshek, our financial secretary, Rose Roberson. For our worship committee, the chair will be Aaron, Robert, Aaron Roberson. Learning will be Gina Hawk, Memorial, Rita Holman, Support, Troy Bond, Mutual Ministry, Bruce Roberson, Property, Denise Luchenko, and Witness, Mary Morshek. So reading from 1 Corinthians. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have been elected to positions of leadership and trust in this congregation. You are to see that the words and deeds of this household of faith bear witness to God, who gathers us into one together with the whole church. You are to seek to involve all members of this congregation in worship, learning, witness, service, and support so that the mission of Christ is carried out in this congregation, in the wider church, in this community, and in the whole world. You are to be faithful in your specific area of serving, that the spirit who empowers you may be glorified. You are to be examples of faith, active in love, fostering peace, harmony, and mutual understanding in this congregation. And so on behalf of your sisters and brothers in Christ, I ask you, will you accept and faithfully carry out the duties of the offices to which you have been elected? I will, and I ask God to help me. Now, Assembly, I ask you to stand. And then Council, I invite you to turn to the congregation. People of God, I ask you, Will you support these, your elected leaders, and will you share in the mutual ministry that Christ has given to all of us who are baptized? We will, and we ask God to help us. Now, once again, you can turn back to me. I now declare you installed as officers and council members of this congregation. Almighty God bless you and direct your days and your deeds in peace, that you may be faithful servants of Christ. Amen.
I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you to stand again as we, <laughs> as we pray. And now let us pray for the church, the world, and all who are in need. O Lord, you have raised up for us men and women to serve as leaders in this congregation. Give them the grace and discernment to serve well and to remain faithful examples for all who are in this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, from you and from your Son, Jesus Christ, are all things. Reveal the saving knowledge of Christ's truth to us and to all the world, that loving you and one another together, we may be known by God. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our God, whose voice was heard at Sinai and whose authority was made manifest in Christ, send faithful preachers into your harvest who will be diligent to listen to your word and to speak it faithfully in your name. Preserve us from false prophets who would lead us away from your truth and give us ears to hear gladly the saving words of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, give health and success to our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael, our legislatures and judges, and all who serve for our protection. Make them high in purpose, wise in counsel, and unwavering in their duty. Lord, in your mercy. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son cast out unclean spirits and taught with authority. He is the great physician of body and soul. Have mercy on those who are sick, distressed, in danger, or facing any need, especially Judy, Tammy, Charlie, Jane, Don, Linda, Leah, Nancy, Wayne, Doit, Jim, Brian, Marilyn, Joanne, Tony, Carolyn, Carol, Nancy, and John. Sustain them with patience, trusting in your care, and graciously heal them. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hope, guard and keep all who face the temptations of the devil, the world, and sinful flesh, and preserve the faith of those who are troubled by doubts. Through the daily remembrance of our baptism, enable us to win the victory over all that threatens our faith. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we gratefully remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son for our salvation. Rejoicing in his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he stands as our high priest. Gather us together from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which will have no end. And now graciously receive our prayers, deliver us, for to you alone we give all glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.